As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. got to be on the same page you know we've got a great group of guys the energy level is extreme we've got good veteran leadership on this team I like the culture here better than any of the teams I've had in a long time or been a part of there's been one demand and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy period that's all I care about is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here the prime thing is you have to win you have to win Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. Going to throw. Drake picked up the pressure. All alone is Zay Jones, and he will prance into the end zone for the touchdown and the victory in overtime for the Raiders. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Tashawn Reed here from Las Vegas. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. And uh, the first game in Vegas with fans, the Raiders, uh, we thought they were going to lose <laughs> the, the way they played in that first half, uh, the way Derek Carr looked early. <laughs> this, this was not looking smooth. But, I mean, there's just so much that we can dive into in this game. But uh, a wild comeback. The Raiders win in overtime, 33-27. Really an instant classic game for this first game with fans here. Uh, a fun one. What can you say about this game? I mean, it was it was a big one for them to win. Well, players called it a roller coaster, and it really was. I think, you know, like, things happen which usually kind of kill them. Things that, you know, like the uh, – he won the game, and it was, no, he didn't win the game yet. And they came back, and they blew it in the interception – and right there, like, okay, this is, I've seen this movie before. I know how this ends. But this one, no one saw the, you know, the Carl Nassib you know, strip sack, and they get the ball back, and then they uh, throw the crazy passes A. Jones. So uh, great start for the Vegas fans who were able to come tonight and watch in person. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise early on was it seemed like it was the defense, you know, keeping them in the game instead of the offense, you know, having to keep up with some kind of shootout with the Ravens. I think most of us would have had it going the other way around. And, you know, even as the Ravens started to get a little bit of success, it didn't quite look as like last year when the, when the defense just seemed like it was helpless, you know. I mean, the Ravens, they were pretty consistently good on the ground. Lamar Jackson did what he does usually, but the pass rush was crazy. Um, I think I saw a stat that he, he was 
Jackson was pressured over 50% of his dropbacks. And so I think that was the biggest thing that jumped out to me was just the, the intense, how intense the defense was, how well they were playing, how few mistakes they seemed to be making. Um, not to say that they were perfect. You know, they, they did have, you know, miscues throughout the game. But I guess what stuck with me the most and, and probably most fans coming out of this one is it seems like, you know, maybe you might have a, a competent defense on your hands. I thought this was one of the more impressive defensive performances that we've seen from the Raiders. Not that the bar is that high because, you know, they had some good defensive performances in the past. But I thought, you know, some of those times they were lucky, like, you know, a guy would run for 30 yards and they get a like strip sack or something. But I thought they tackled really well. The Ravens did gash the Raiders a few times, but those were when Lamar Jackson just, you know, went all world and made some really amazing plays outside of the pass rush. Defensively, you got to be pretty optimistic about how they performed, how they rushed a passer, and how they got some really clutch stops when they needed it. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Lamar Jackson. There were some plays where you just like, that's mm-hmm. Lamar being Lamar. You were, you can't stop that. And it seemed like it was going to be one of those games where he's just going to do enough of those plays. You're going up against an elite talent, and that's just going to be too much for this Raiders defense. But it was really weird in, in the fourth quarter, in overtime. It was all of a sudden, suddenly... I mean, I think there was one point where they had like they get, he ran the ball two straight times, or and, and they were able to get you know give up two yards, whatever, stop him. It seemed like as the game wore on, you know, that's when the defense is supposed to wear down. They played a lot of snaps, but that's when they were able to finally kind of close in on Lamar a lot more late in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that's where that you know improved depth that we've heard heard them talk about all you know training camp and, and earlier in the year you know, is, is coming into effect in this game you know last season a lot of times we see them like you said getting worn down at the end of the games particularly against the run and you know i mean that, that overtime position that the ravens had you know i mean last year I, i'm pretty sure that that would be one where they just march right down the field kick the field goal win the game and we're out of here but you know they looked fresh i mean the pass rush was still there it was looking how it was earlier in the game obviously nasa carl nasa came up with a huge play with the strip sack and you know, even though they had some some injuries and some guys go down both in training camp and during this game, I mean, they were deep enough to where they could rotate some guys in there and not just have bodies, but guys that were actually capable of making plays out there on the field. There were a couple of plays late where Lamar got to the edge. I think he was surprised to see Max Crosby there. I thought Max, we talked about him a lot this offseason. He's in phenomenal shape and clearly driven. He and Ngakwe have kind of got this bond. And I think you saw tonight, Max didn't get tired. He made plays all over the field all night long, was constantly getting pressure and, and chasing Lamar down. So... Big-time performance from a guy who they're really counting on and, and, you know, a proud team captain for the first time in his life. And tonight he kind of led, led the charge, and I was, I was very impressed with, with Crosby's play. Part of the reason why you hire a guy like Gus Bradley is to cut down on those mental mistakes that the Raiders typically make. And I, just, I don't remember that many times where, you know, there were, there were opportunities that were just easy because of miscommunications and blown coverages. And that sort of deal, and it, it made a difference. They they made the Ravens work for um, the yards that they did get. Yeah, I mean, this is the defensive performance that I think we've been talking about. They need it wasn't an elite defensive performance statistically. It's gonna you know show up as being average. You know, you know, kind of on the high end of average. You know, lower low end of average. I mean, it's but that's not what they need to be, right? I mean, they, I mean, that's what they you just want them to be close to an average defense. You know, you look back to the year that they make the playoffs in 2016. They were not a good defense but they were an opportune defense. I think this team has a chance to be an opportune defense. Yeah, well, they have, if they have leads late in the game, now they have a pass which they can actually you know, cause them some havoc and make some plays and get the ball back or have it, you know, make it hard for teams to come back on them. So the offense is definitely key to this team. Tonight didn't play well in the first half, but uh, Derek and the guys turned it around second half and definitely played a lot better. So definitely a lot of good things to take from this game, a lot of positives. 
I do think speaking of the defense, we have to talk a little bit about who wasn't out there. Number four pick. Yeah, yeah. Clee Farrell was was not playing tonight. You know, healthy, healthy scratch. scratch. But we'll see. I mean, Ngakwe, you know, he had a, a hamstring injury in the fourth quarter, a uh, short week going to Pittsburgh. You know, uh, hamstring injuries were tricky. You never know how long he could be out. So I would assume if Ngakwe isn't going, then you know, and, Clee would be Gerald back McCoy, in. McCoy, uh, yeah, position, but still another guy on that defensive line. He goes down with a knee injury. Looked pretty serious. Carted off. Right, and so it's, it's a bad look for Clee. But I mean, he might have opportunity as soon as his next week to bounce back and improve. He should be in that rotation. Yeah, I was surprised. I, I knew he was not. High on the depth chart, but I didn't never thought he'd be inactive. I thought that I think he's still a, you know a good player. I, I mean, he's not obviously an impact guy, but he's definitely a role player who can move around the line and make some plays. So I was surprised that he was inactive, and uh, I'd be very curious to see what John says about it tomorrow. We didn't ask him about tonight because there was so much that happened in that game. We couldn't really ask him about Clee, but tomorrow I'm sure we will. I'm curious what he'll say about it. This is the sort of game where Farrell would be pretty useful too, you know, against a, a running uh, a running team, and this team just doesn't have a lot of bulk up front. So this is a really strange scratch right before the game. So we'll see what he says tomorrow. One thing Grin will say is that you know, I mean, I'm not sure Arnett, Arnett played very much either. So I think no. those two guys, two high draft, two first round picks, didn't play a lot, and the defense still played well and they still won. So I would imagine John's going to say, you know what? Competition, that's what this team is all about. The best guys are going to play. We don't care where you're picked. And for one night, that was accurate. They won the game. It didn't matter who didn't play. So um, I guess that's a good thing. I mean, it's not great that you draft guys you don't play <laughs> in the first round. But, I mean, if you still can get enough guys besides that to make plays and win a game against a very good, you know, like they kept saying, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, that's a, that's a nice, nice win. It's funny. There's so much happened in this game that you, I mean, you almost forget about the fact that Daniel Carlson kicks a 55 yarder mm-hmm. with two, you know, two seconds left. He kicked it with seven seconds left, goes through with two seconds left. I mean, that, that becomes a minor footnote. I mean, when the Ravens scored with 37 seconds left, you're like, all right, well, you know, this is, this is a disappointing loss. And you, know, you kind of feel like, all right, they played okay to kind of to make that comeback. But I mean, the other part of that, I mean, is that Brian Edwards had not had a catch in the game entering that drive and Derek Carr goes to him twice, 20 yards, 18 yards, gets him in position, 55 yard field goal, Daniel Carlson. I mean, those are the kind of drives that really good quarterbacks are able to lead. And the fact that he, a really good quarterback and Derek Carr led that drive after starting off this game, what was he? Two of 10, I think to start the game looked terrible. Really? I mean, you know, there was, he was forcing it to Darren Waller, Early on that first drive, there was a play where you know, we all getting that all twenty-two view upside. You know, saw Henry Ruggs just go wide open. By the time that Carr dumped it off to Ingold for a nine-yard gain, Ruggs didn't have a defender within twenty yards of him. So it was a rough start for Carr, but Carr's able to erase that. And that last drive to to connect on two great passes to Brian Edwards, and for Edwards to have not really been part of the game all all along, and then to be able to make those catches. That was such a clutch drive that, that kind of gets washed away a little bit. Yeah, maybe those offensive struggles, maybe that's in part because those guys didn't play in the preseason. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the price you pay for remaining healthy and not having guys with injury, but it's going to be a little sloppy at, at the start. And you, you hope your veteran quarterback and the guys can, can turn it around pretty quick, and uh, they did. I mean, second half, I think, Carr threw for 300 yards second half and made some great throws in, in, in the fourth quarter and overtime and looked like a different guy. So I just think um, – I think Darren Wall was saying he has a calming presence when they're uh, behind late in games and they're driving, and I just think that carries over to the rest of the team. So yeah, he definitely got off to a rough start, but by the end of the night, he was the best quarterback on the field. 
Yeah, I think him trusting Edwards is big just because, you know, he's talked a lot about having increased tr- trust in both of those second-year wideouts, Ruggs and Edwards. But, you know, actually doing that in a game at a high-leverage moment like that shows it's not just, you know, bullshit or, you know, stuff that he's saying to the media. And, you know, went to him back-to-back plays, you know, no timeouts and, and trusted him to make those plays in and overtime when we thought the game was over, <laughs> you know, initially, I mean, targeting him on a jump ball to, to win the game, basically. So, you know, I, I know, you know, Ruggs, you know, he had a couple catches tonight, but he, uh, I think he only had like three targets a game last season. So he threw it to him a little bit more often than he did before. And so well, he did throw 56 passes. So he's yeah, got to target somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it was good to see, like, as the I game went on. I think Ted got on, a target. Did you get a target, Ted? Because <laughs> he was just so locked on on Waller and Renfro early on. But it seemed like as the game went on, he got more comfortable. He started to trust in those, those younger wideouts a little bit more. Car admits that he gets a little too amped up in the beginning of games, and you got to imagine, you know, the first game in Vegas with fans and the fact that he didn't get any preseason snaps. He was probably pretty amped up in the first quarter. And, and I also wonder how much it affects him not having Rodney Hudson out there because, you know, he's in charge of making all the protection calls now, and I don't know how much he trusts Andre James to take over that duty, especially against the, the Ravens. So he has a little bit more on his plate he has to think about. Yeah, and James just didn't have a very strong game. I thought his snaps were a little slow, had a few penalties, was not really great in run blocking. This is his first game starting at center, so we'll be patient, and they should be patient with James, but uh, just not a very strong start uh, for him. But um, I think there's some potential with this offensive line, but just not having any snaps in preseason, I think definitely affected them. They already paid James, so they got to be patient. I mean, that's one where I get it. Like, Gruden's going with a philosophy that a lot of the head coaches in the NFL are going with now. We're, we're not going to play our starters. We're not going to play our, our key guys in the preseason. That makes sense, I think, a lot of times. But when you have a, a new center that you're working in that's only played a game and a half, really, in the NFL ever, it's only played a game and a half of center ever. I guess maybe 2019, he probably played a little bit in the preseason. He just has so little experience. That, to me, a drive, two drives with Derek Carr might have made sense. But who cares? Because they're 1-0. I mean, the offensive line is something to watch. Though. I mean, you know, Denzel Good went down with a knee injury on the first possession of the game. And he tried to come back in in the second quarter and maybe a few snaps before he got subbed out again. I, I don't want to butcher my man's name that uh, replaced him. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the legend. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the Luminor. What's his first name? Was it Patrick? <laughs> no. I think that's it. Anyway, well, you don't know what it is, though. What's his first name? Uh, I know it's it not starts that. with a J. Uh, chart in front of us. I'm pretty close, <laughs> Gerald. Uh, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it for yeah. you. Yeah. To be Jermaine Illuminor. Jermaine Illuminor. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it's pronounced Illuminor. I mean, Luminor. that looks, the Luminor looks about right. All right, so we had James, Jermaine. <laughs> <laughs> Jermaine. To our credit, he, he was a late yeah. signing, though. I had yeah, never yeah. heard of him before tonight. This is the Jermaine Illuminor yeah. Appreciation Podcast. I didn't hear his name the rest of the game, so you played okay. Yeah. I didn't hear any penalties. Yeah, he started some games for the Patriots little, last year, little, please. Little, Sorry, yeah. I didn't hear any penalties against him, so props to him. Yeah. Just initial impressions, obviously, what, you know, when we go back and watch the game, we'll have a better idea. I'm sure he probably has some good plays. But initial impression did not seem to have the best game. Obviously, he had the false start on the goal line. He had uh, Justin Houston baptized him with a, a pretty uh, – you know, got by him for a sack. Um, I think he at least won more other penalty, I believe. Um, 
not the best NFL debut, but kind of see how he grades out. We are able to watch a little bit more of his uh, his outing. Yeah, I think it's natural for him to have some up and ups and downs, especially against I mean the Ravens defense in the front and all the crazy stuff that they do. And um, he's another guy that didn't play all that much in the preseason, and so um, it's going to take some, take him some time to to figure things out. I think you know I wasn't here, but. As I've heard, Colton Miller did not have the best rookie season, sure. and then things turned around pretty well for them after that. But I think they're pretty set. I mean, I'm not too worried about their tackle positions, but on the inside, it's just with Richie Incognito having that calf injury, and then you know Denzel Good. We'll see what what's, what's up with this knee injury. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about their depth on the interior. Jermaine Illuminar, born in London. Too bad yeah. they're not uh, not having in, don't have a London game this year. He could be a big deal in London. But uh, you know, Josh Jacobs, he was questionable. Uh, downgraded to questionable on Sunday with an illness. He told us that he had to fight to be able to play in this game. He, he had to beg. beg. He was hurting. Um, you know, he's, he had the toe injury. He was sick. And, uh, you know, the numbers don't jump out at you. 10 carries for 34 yards. But three years in the NFL now, every season opener, he's had at least two touchdowns. And one of them was really nice to watch. It was a really nice run. A 15-yarder, he made a lot of nice moves, kind of darting in and out. And you saw kind of why everyone's excited about him. You know, the Raiders staff is really thinks he's going to have a great year. And that was a, a nice run. It's definitely – we talked about the defense being really tough, the front seven, and they definitely were going to try and stop the run and, and make – force Derek to throw the ball with 55, whatever he threw the ball. So, yeah, I mean, Jacobs uh, wasn't 100%, but he scored twice and uh, made the key play when they needed it. So, um, good night for him. And Kenyon Drake was pretty impressive, too, as a receiver. And I don't remember him having a lot of good runs, but the run blocking wasn't great. But, you know, he, he came in, billed as a – to kind of help the Raiders passing game from the running back position and made a few nice catches and made some guys miss an open field. And he was pretty instrumental today. Five targets, five catches, 59 yards. Yeah. Wow. That's efficient. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and really Cardinals' numbers were, were fake. Yeah, fake man. Like, like he was – because he was, like, the least efficient – or almost among the least efficient pass receivers uh, out of the backfield last year. Uh, just blame the Cardinals, man. Blame, yeah. uh, blame that Kyler Murray offense. We know that had their highest rushing average there, right? Marcus <laughs> Our, Mariota had the, he, was one carry got, for 31 yards. They never saw him again, but we saw the, the mysterious Mariota package for one play in the game. So, I don't know. It seems like they should use that more often. Yeah, yeah. they could have used him on a, f- a couple of those third. Maybe that's like quarterback that sneak. And, yeah, and a, and a fourth, yeah, or that fourth and one play where uh, Jacobs got stuffed at the goal line. They ran out of shotgun, but Carr's not a real threat running the ball. So that would have been a good time for Mariota to come in. But I heard some people thought that he might have been concussed after that that run because he was he got up kind of wobbly. I wonder if that is a. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, any factor. That's that. why you don't put Mariota back in the That's game. That's why I put him back in. <laughs> yeah, because well, uh, yeah, I, I, I do wonder, like, in a normal circumstance, it's kind of been, the, you know, a, a starting quarterback doesn't want to get pulled out. And I get that Derek Carr probably doesn't like that. Right. But you are seeing around the league, I mean, the Niners are doing it with Mixon and Trey Lance. The Bears did it with Mixon and Justin Fields. And obviously those are different situations right. because those are placeholder quarterbacks that those guys are going to be the future. Derek Carr is not a placeholder quarterback for Marcus Mariota. But I wonder if if Carr, Gruden, the Raiders, all, everybody might kind of see like, okay, you know what? There are some benefits to, to occasionally go into that kind of package. I mean, it was obviously was it was the one time they did it today was very good. Right. The tough thing is going to be that obviously this is Derek's team. Now that's I mean, John said a million times. He's the lyric captain and the guy they want may make plays on the stretch. So, it's uh, it's tricky. I mean, I think you can definitely do it once in a while, 
But I'm not sure he'll be crazy. I mean, he'll, he'll say he's fine with it, but I don't think he'll be crazy about it more than every once in a he, while. He, Plus, he loves Mariota. Like, brother. They man. are, but man, it's true. But I'm just saying, I could see it once or twice a game, if that, but I can't imagine more than that just because I think it's so clearly, I mean, everything John does with his offense, he and Derek are on the same page. The audibles, the check, the, the, the whole playbook they have, both have it down. It, there's a trust. I think that's, I think John's more comfortable with. With Derek on the field, so I think he he'll definitely do it once in a while. But I would be surprised if, if fans want to see it like a big like five times a game. No. I can't imagine that happening, but you never know. I mean, uh, if, him, if Drew Brees could handle Taysom Hill coming in, Derek Carr could handle Drew Brees. Mariota pretty bad in. last couple uh, years. Drew Brees <laughs> was not good the last couple of years. They're paying Mariota like twenty million for these two years of work. He can give me five something. carries a game, can man. Something, yeah. yeah. Got you 31, 31 yards a pop tonight. That's good. <laughs> you know how bad Derek Carr's quarterback sneak stats are? I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's pretty bad. I mean, if you're that bad at quarterback sneaks, then, you know, you can let a guy come in and handle some short yarder situations. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Peyton Manning had a line on the broadcast. Obviously, we were not watching the broadcast, but I saw on Twitter he had a line that uh, he should have been better on quarterback sneaks in his career just because his neck should be able to extend <laughs> over and get the, uh, the, the first down. You can't mention uh, Peyton Manning. He's got some, some Raiders fans riled up on Twitter right now. He's, what, that 6-11 and 11 line? Yeah, he wasn't too nice to him tonight. <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, I kind of appreciate him just being able to, to wing it and go, go a little uh, freestyle with it. We talked about the defense, and, yeah, I think one thing that was surprising was how much uh, Denzel Perryman played. I mean, I, I think we kind of all thought K.J. Wright coming in, he knows his defense. And obviously Perryman, Perryman does too, but Perryman kind of his career has been more of a, a role player. Right. Perryman played a lot. And, you know, Wright got in some snaps. He had uh, what he had that one big a play. big stop, yeah. It was, a, it was a third and one on last night, or maybe a fourth and one. Yeah, he yeah, got with the other one play. Yeah. yeah, he got in the backfield and uh, right. uh, I guess I think against Latavius Murray. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was tied to KJ Wright not being you know, ready to play more often, uh, but definitely seemed like um, Perryman took a step over Kwiatkowski, which I thought. Yeah, was Kwiatkowski good. is buried. Yeah, so um, but it makes sense. I mean, I guess he's gonna play the guys and know the system he's comfortable with. So uh, Perryman's he's a fine player. I mean, he's definitely not a bad player. So. Yeah, I think early on they were going to the dime package pretty often on third down with with three safeties in there. Yeah, down, Dallin Le- Levitt Levitt was a lot of run. Yeah, you, but you guys want to cut down Levitt, yeah. see? But it was only one linebacker on the guy. field, and it was it was Perriman. I would I would assume it would have been you know Littleton, but I guess they figured Perriman is uh, good enough in coverage while also 
maybe provide more of a, a run game lift than, than maybe Littleton does. But right. you know, Perriman was was a star of the linebacker room today. KJ Wright started at Sam, and he was just mixing in and out with uh, Nate Hobbs because whenever they were in nickel, Wright came off the field. Whenever in base, KJ Wright came on the field, and then Perriman was playing inside exclusively. And I think that um, yeah, I was surprised that he jumped over Kwiatkowski. But if you you know, Perrin played a lot of snaps for Gus Bradley in uh, with the Chargers, so it, it kind of makes sense that there's a comfortability factor there. But I, I was pretty surprised to see Perriman in the huddle calling the plays and uh, getting a lot of snaps over Kwiatkowski. It's definitely clear at some point when John was hiring Gus Bradley, Gus like, hey, all these guys are currently on his depth chart. If, I, if I don't like him, <laughs> I don't have to play him, right? And John's like, yeah, it's your call. Do what you want to do. I mean, I want you to – you know." The guys who were there before Gus definitely were not promised anything, and that shows based on the guys we're talking about. They didn't play much tonight. The guys who kind of got replaced. So, I mean, Gus has got it's a, it's a new sheriff in town on defense, and he's one to know. Yeah, Littleton did finish with ten tackles. I didn't I didn't notice him too much, but he right. finished with ten tackles, tied with Perriman for the. I thought he was active. I don't know. I, see, was, I mean, he didn't make any big plays. I don't, I don't think, but he definitely was around the ball a lot, which I think is. More than I can save him a lot of games last yeah. year. So I think he's gotten better. I, th- I thought he was pretty good in coverage, Littleton. I thought he uh, did a pretty good job on Mark Andrews when he when he was on him. They just need to stop letting Sammy Watkins and Hollywood Brown get matched up against uh, linebackers. That was <laughs> early on when they fell in that hole. That's what was killing them. Is like the Ravens kept exploiting matchups where they were getting their receivers, their speed receivers, matched up against the Raiders linebackers. And like, I don't care if you're. If you're KJ Wright, if you're Denzel Perryman, if you're Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski, none of those guys are going to be able to run with a, with a Hollywood Brown. Unfortunately, you're going to see that in this type in this system because uh, it's just part of the system where if you line up and with three receivers on one side and a tight end to the other, and you run and you put a receiver at number three and runs a crosser, then the linebacker is responsible for using this. You know, it's called a robot technique where he has to like turn around and cover that wide receiver and that's just a part of this defense, but they have a call where they could make the strong switch the responsibility to strong safety. So they'll do it sometimes, but don't be surprised if you see a lot of that linebacker receiver type of matchup. And Kwiatkowski did a, he didn't do a bad job on Watkins. I just thought that was a really good throw by Lamar Jackson. So that, that's something you, you, you'll have to watch out for as this, um, oh. yeah. That was, this good, that was a good stuff, This man. is why I, we I have Ted on the podcast. <laughs> I learned something there. So why do they call it robot? I think it's roll and go back or something like that oh, where they come up with names yeah. uh, robot. I do wonder yeah. like if they'll ever get out of the cover three though. Like if a team mm-hmm. is just eating up that underneath stuff like over and over and over, like do you start working in some more cover two or, or man or you think he's pretty stubborn with it? These Seattle guys are pretty stubborn with their cover three, but recently Bradley has mixed in a little more quarters coverage. We didn't really see it like this, um, this week, mm-hmm. uh, but I think we'll see a little more of it as we go along. But they're pretty committed to recover three. They feel like they have enough calls and checks to to stay in it. But we'll, we'll see how Bradley adjusts. I thought I had a pretty good game plan th- this week, though. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We've reached the portion of the podcast where we are refilling the bourbon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can we drink on a podcast? I don't know why not. We're in Vegas. I mean, uh, we're just we're hanging ah, out. In our, we're in Vegas. We are in Vegas. It, I live here this full is, time. Was we're in Vegas. the first ever podcast where we're like all together podcasting. Have we talked much about Max Crosby? I mean, he introduced himself. Uh, I mean, I think we all know that he what kind of player he can be. Two sacks. I, I, a lot of people thought he had a third because they thought that there was the uh, I think the botch snap where he fell on um, mm. Lamar Jackson that didn't count as a as a sack, but. Uh, he was just extremely active today, and you look at him going up against Ben Roethlisberger and a and a pretty bad uh, Steelers offensive line next week. He he could do it again. I mean, he's he's a guy that two sacks in the opener. He he could start introducing himself as a guy that that can really break out this season. Was over under in a sack total ten? I think it was like More eight. eight. It was oh, eight. Yeah, he's going over. He's he's going over. It was exciting to see Ng- the Ngakwe and Crosby combo, and, and hopefully he's Ngakwe is healthy enough to play uh, next week because, yeah, they, they look like they, they lived up to the billing. There was a lot of hype uh, coming into the season with those two, and um, they pressured Lamar Jackson on, what, 54% of snaps? Mm-hmm. Was that was the stat? And yeah. That's pretty amazing when you consider how uh, lackluster the, the Raiders' pass rush has been. Plus, it was, only, it was only three guys. It was just those two guys and, and Nassib. Mm-hmm. So, that's pretty mm-hmm. – I mean, Nassib had a good camp, and you see why tonight he's looked good. And I think he's he's obviously happy, you know, where he's, where he's done in the offseason. And he mentioned tonight about, you know, just what it means to him to be kind of, you know, a, a role model for the you know, LBGTQ. Yes. Quick, what's the Raiders yeah. right guard's name? The Raiders right guard's <laughs> name Jordan is Jermaine Eliminor. You should let him answer <laughs> Jermaine. Gosh, I feel Elim- bad for Brian who has Elim- to edit Elim- this, uh, this show. Poor guy. Jermaine Eliminor. Mm-hmm. I thought Max Crosby was probably the, the best player on the defense tonight outside of the, the sacks he also had. Like I said, four quarterback hits and he's at one play. I don't know. I forget which period of the game it was, but but Lamar Jackson was rolling outside and Crosby was like on his ass, like he's yeah. right behind him, like yeah. it's Lamar yeah. Jackson. It doesn't happen often, you know. Yeah. So I mean, you know, he he looked like an every down, you know, upper tier defensive end in it. Yeah, he made some run stops too. He yeah. had a, he had a couple of nice plays in the run game, and that's the criticism is about him is that right. him and Ngakwe they're not run guys, and but he made some nice plays there. Those guys also, they've talked about that. Both, both those guys have something to prove in, in the run game. They both want to show they can be, you know, three-down players. And they look good tonight. And I'm just going to go back to Klee again because people <laughs> focus on Klee not playing fourth overall pick. But that same draft, they got Max Crosby in the fourth round. So, so just flip him. Just, just, just flip him. Just, just flip him. in your mind that the fourth, the fourth round pick was really the number four guy. Just flip him. It's all good. But they could have got two good defensive ends. See, that's not the right <laughs> Ted bringing the negativity. I, you know, I'm still mad, though. I don't like the rule that they don't kick the – PAT when they score the walk-off touchdown because I predicted a seven-point win um, and I only got a six-point win. So how does that work for betters in Vegas? I gotta uh, probably some other people that are mad right with you if they yeah. pick. You no, know, nah, I mean yeah, the they spread they was three and a half, spread, right? So they're, yeah, they're, they're the, the overcovered yeah, the yeah, spread covered. Be upset for if they were favored, people yeah. would get mad about it. Yeah, if it was a seven-point spread or yeah. six and a half, but 
Ted and I were the ones that predicted the win. These guys were so negative and yeah. you know bringing their negativity to yeah. the. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what, what did we think about the atmosphere? Well, I mean, pretty good with forty seconds left in the, in the game. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you don't you know about talk, Derek, you weren't talking about your prediction then. You don't know about the Derek Carr Brian Edwards connection that they were saving right. for the final minute of the game. Right. Um, what were we think about the atmosphere? I mean, it was it got it got really loud late. Right. Now, I mean, we do have to talk to Raider fans. I, now, I know that the Raider fans that were doing this are not the ones listening to the show because Correct. the ones listening to the show are the diehard loyal fans that know better. But the Raider fans that were there that were doing the wave as Gerald McCoy was being carted off, we got to talk to y'all. That's 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 not cool. That's that's not how you roll. Yeah, I don't know if they didn't see him because he was like on the opposite end of like, the field for like five minutes. But down there. yeah, that was that was not it. But uh, outside of that, I mean, the, the crowd was was pretty lit. I know it was a little bit of uh, took a little bit longer to get into the stadium because you know fans coming in, uh, you know, the Raiders requiring fans to be vaccinated, so they have to show that they're clear health screening to get in. And like I have some friends that that went to the game and said that their their app locked them out for thirty minutes, and so it wasn't working when they were trying to get in. So there were there were some hiccups, and I mean, as, as soon as when the players came off from warmups, the the stands were still a little bit empty. But by the time it was ready for kickoff, that thing was was rocking, and it stayed that way pretty much throughout the entire game. Um, you know, when they got down a couple of touchdowns, it was a little quiet. But there were uh, a few booths for a little yeah, while. Yeah, you know, a few booths when when the offense was being conservative and not going too well. But they picked back up as the game went on, and I mean, that, that was a hell of a debut. I'm not a wave guy, but maybe like once the wave gets going and you see McCoy's in the cart, you can't stop the wave. Like it's, if it's going, <laughs> you can't, stop, you can't stop it. Like it's going. And so you're like, you know what? Yeah. Once it's any, like so you started the wave and it's still going, you got to keep doing it. Like, you, I mean, yeah. you can't at that point, you're like, They're like trying it's going to go, like, get... it's gonna go without me. If I sit down, no one's going to know I sat down. So at that point, you're kind of stuck. And I, in that regard, I give the Raider fans the benefit of the doubt. And so, if again, I'm not a wave guy. I'm just guessing how the wave works, but I'm, I think it might be hard to stop if the guys on a stretcher. Like, hey, guys, not getting carted off. Stop the wave. There's no one guy who can say that. They were trying to will him to get back up. That's what it was. Crosby, yeah. Crosby did say that like they, the fans have a little bit of work to do on knowing when to get loud. Yeah. And no, when to get I, I noticed that for sure. I noticed that that there were times where um, the Raiders were in a huddle and they're like cheering the loudest. You know, some of the loud loudest cheers were going on while they're in a huddle in the clutch moments. And I see Derek Carr trying to like quiet them down but I, th- I think they were mixing up his signals were trying to get them louder and they were going well, there's, actually, there's actually a nightclub on the field <laughs> yeah, so like yeah. what well, nightclub atmosphere you guys both nightclub guys you guys tell me once it gets going once a club is popping you can't just stop on a dime like some guy in the corner is puking you're like you're going right the Vegas crowd has to learn when the when it's a clutch moment and the offense is on the field. They have communications that they have to do. You know, you quiet down a little bit. But when the Ravens are on the field, you go as loud as you want. But you well, know, part of it also is like there's there's a good amount of Ravens fans in the stands too. I think the Ra- the Raiders are going to have yeah. kind of a. It's hard to tell because you uh, know Ra- Ravens are black and purple. Yeah, and so a lot purple. A lot, yeah, but a lot a lot of Ravens fans yeah. are in black, so it's hard to tell. I can't wait like the Chiefs come in. Every Chiefs fan wears red. Right. Like, there's no, you know, Ravens fans are going to be in black a little bit, you know, because that's that's one of their colors, too. When you get the Chiefs come in, that'll be a, a good test of, of how many. Well, I thought Raider fans were really loud. I mean, definitely. But I also thought, like, when when big plays happen for the Ravens, that's the loudest I've heard it for like opposing team at a, at a Raiders home game. I think that's going to be a factor for them going mm-hmm. forward. They'll have the loud crowd they want for when they have the ball, but 
there's going to be a, a definitely other side of that coin when like big plays happen. You're going to hear the other crowd all of a sudden like they'll be making a lot of noise. So it's a little different, but again, that's why you yeah, a two billion dollar stadium in Las Vegas. And that might Plus, calm down over the years. That might be like year one. Everybody's like, okay, we want to get our money back that we that we spent on these tickets, and, and the prices are going crazy. But I mean, overall, I mean, it was it was a fun crowd, yeah, fun it was, atmosphere. It was fun. Got a little bit of work to do. It was, it, it wasn't Oakland. It wasn't it's wasn't not, the Oakland a, it's crowd. A it's a nightclub. It's a nightclub, but um, it was good and crazy win, crazy game, fun way to open up the uh, the Allegiant Stadium history with fans. Glad we all all four of us were there to uh, to check it out. And uh, hey, the Raiders want to know they're heading to Pittsburgh next week. We'll see what they can do. And uh, I mean, if they can go on the road and beat the Steelers and that defense, um, that'll be uh, it'll be very impressive. Well, to use a Vegas term, they're playing with house money. They got the win. Mm-hmm. I said you need to split these first two games, so they got the one win out of the way. It's nothing to lose. You play you play loose and fast, and see what happens if you lose. You're one to one against two really tough teams, the two you know tough venues of playing you know home against the Ravens and at Pittsburgh is always tough. So. One on one, nothing to cry about. So, but you have a chance to really like shake things up and go two and zero. So that's that's good stuff. See what happens. All right, y'all. We've got bourbon here. We're gonna All keep right. drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you guys again next week as we get you ready for the Raiders taking Should we on. Give the bourbon company a plug so they send us some free bourbon. So this is Bellmead Bourbon, based out of Nashville, Tennessee, is where uh, I, I picked this up from. Obviously, it's bourbon, so it's made in Kentucky, but the uh, distillery is the Charles Nelson Distillery in uh, in Nashville. Uh, I first got introduced to it uh, in twenty in 2016 when I went to wow, the Raiders. Wow, Raiders, this is, this is uh, a strong plug. They better send you. When I went to the, the Raiders game in, in Tennessee, obviously. Wow. Very cool history behind the whole distillery. It was, bourbon, dude. it was... Yeah. It was... <laughs> It was shut down for years after Prohibition. The like great grandson. Preach, <laughs> preach to me, preach. The great <laughs> free bourbon. The great grandson wow, this of this distillery happened to be in this small town in Tennessee, and what, saw, was, the, what was the small town's name? I don't. Have, God, I'm not, not going to pull that. That's gonna be, that's gonna be free <laughs> yeah. bourbon negotiations, but good. He was in the small town. He noticed a historical marker that that mentioned Charles Nelson. He's like. No, that's my name. That's my great grandfather's name. He looked. He looked into it. He found out that yeah, my great grandfather ran a distillery here. He went to I think the library and found an old newspaper article with the recipe for his whiskey. And because he was a direct descendant, he was able to reopen the distillery. He was able to assume all of the old, all of the old copyrights and everything, and just reopened it and. Now they're making great whiskey, great bourbon. I pick it up uh, whenever I can. It's my go-to bourbon. And uh, our producer, Brian, is probably going to cut all this. but uh, it's that, a went great, off, that went off the rails so fast, but, it was, but it was glorious. You asked ride. for it, it's and I provided it. I did ask for, for it. For, for Bellmead bourbon. I asked for it. Um, all right, Bellmead. This is so, the most up. passionate <laughs> I've ever heard Jimmy talk next about. Time, <laughs> next time the Raiders play at the Titans, I'm going to go. We're all going to go. We're going to go. They do great tours of the of the distillery. I think it's five, ten bucks, and it gives you a nice tour, and you get. You get <laughs> we're we're doubling good. back. We're doubling back for more. It's, hey, Brian, go ahead and cut that last part out. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you again next week. Get you set for the Raiders at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ah, Later. Later.